Welcome to Subway Sports Talk. Dan, 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 clear of the closing doors, please. Subway Sports Talk. My name is Peter Kennedy, and I am your host. Thank you so much, as always, for tuning in, no matter where it is. Apple Podcasts, App Spotify, doesn't matter. Thank you so much for listening, as always. Another football slate in the books. Another bunch of bets that are frustrating as hell, I'll tell you that much. But before we get into the bets and a little pick recap with Pat Boyle, a week nine recap, a look forward as we do every week with Pat Boyle and Coach Rocco Del Pieri, we got first and foremost... Christopher Mule, what's up, dog? Petey, what's up, my man? Happy to be back. Uh, feels like a long three weeks, I think. Two or three weeks haven't been on. I don't even know, bro. Time goes so fast, I have no idea what day is what. We talk all the time, so I forget what's on the pod, what's off the pod. But you, yeah, I know, bro. You must be just ecstatic today. So for background, Mule is a Dolphins fan. So there's obvious reasons for his excitement right now. Does it feel real? Does it feel real right now, though? It, it does feel real. Uh, I'm not going to lie. Yesterday was a nerve-wracking one. So, you know, I had my doubts. I had, uh, you know, I had the jitters. I had the anxiety. I, had, I get it all. I'm the worst. I just, I'm a whole complete mess when we play. But if we feel good, you know, we're in that seven spot. Uh, you know, we're fighting for that last wild-card spot. Patty Boyle's going to hate me because we got the tie break over the Browns right now. But, uh, you know, we'll see. It's looking good. Things are trending upwards for sure. And, and, yeah, it's it's real interesting because there's two ways to think about the Dolphins thing right now. One is where you think this is, like, a big shock, where it's like, oh, yo, the Dolphins came out of nowhere. And then there's the other one, which is probably more proper, and it's kind of where I'm, I've been aligned. I've been saying it on the pod. Like, the way that the Dolphins played last year towards the end under Brian Flores with that defense really competing every single game and Ryan Fitzpatrick having that offense competing every single game. To, to you guys, to you Dolphins fans out there who actually watch every snap, who actually care about this team and keep up with it, this this level of success, which isn't extraordinary, but it's good success right now, it, it's not that shocking to you, is it? I feel like it isn't. No, it's, see, it's definitely not. But, you know, like you said, it's different because last year I think I had a sense when we, we came down to the end of the year and there was some crazy stat that we had, I think, 36 guys that were on a practice squad playing real 53-man roster ball, you know, against legit NFL teams. And, you know, whether it was a tough, tough loss or a tight win like we showed at the end of the year against New England, um, that team, no matter who was out there, no matter who was playing where, was going out and competing for Brian Flores at the end of the day. As as uh, Rocco likes to say, B-flow from Brooklyn. <laughs> but I think I knew last year, you know, I had a sense. I said, all right, we, we might have the guy. I said, we got a long way to go. And I'm not going to lie. I didn't think it was going to be this quick of a turnaround this year. Um, but I knew last year we had the guy. And I think now we're starting to, you know, we're drafting right. We still have future picks. Obviously, hopefully we might have got the guy at quarterback. But when it comes to me knowing that we can compete and be a real football team, I think it all started with Flores for sure. And you have to be careful, especially you being a Dolphin fan who lives in New York, who has uh, a group of best friends with Savage, some smart, some crazy, uh, Jets and Giants fans. You know, anytime that you want to insert your, hey, my Dolphins team is going to be better than both of your team, you know, you're going to get a lot of pushback and you don't have a lot of support on your side. So for Dolphin fans specifically in the New York area, like it's tough because – 
you know, even though the Jets and Giants are clearly not great right now, the Giants looking a lot better than the Jets, the Dolphins have been in that realm with the Jets of like, there's been some tough freaking years recently. There's been not a lot of bright outlooks. Like what, if you think about your time as a Dolphin fan, and I heard this question posed today, which made me think of this one moment. When you think back of your time as a Dolphin fan, what's like the most exciting year or moment or time in your life that you remember? Obviously, like, you know, if you were five years old, like don't count that. But from when you were like, you know, remembering. Well, first off, I feel bad for you because the only guy out of our savage best friend group that wants to hear it is you. So, you know, <laughs> I, I want to thank you for that. Yeah, yeah. And I also feel bad for you. Well, I always had your back on that. Cause I, dude, I saw the dolphins compete last year. I was like, this team's not effing around. Like B flow from Brooklyn got this team yeah. playing right. hundred <laughs> percent. And I know every time I see something, I'm like, all right, my, my, my boys don't want to hear this right now. No one wants to see that my team's driving right now. So I'm like, all right, let me, let me hit PD on the side. <laughs> um, but that's a good question. Um, we had a couple of decent years with Tannehill. Um, what I remember, I think I was 13, I want to say. I hope you. Chad so. Pennington. Yes, I knew it. Yeah, I knew you, it. you knew it. Yeah. <laughs> Chad say Pennington. It, say it, say it. Ronnie Brown, Ricky Williams. Uh, I think we still had Chris Chambers. And I'm throwing back Dolphin names that everyone's going to be like, who's this guy talking about? Oh, my but, gosh. Um, we were, I believe we were 11 and five, and we, uh, the Patriots won the division because they always won the division. It didn't matter if you were 11 and five, it didn't matter. Um, 11 and five, wild card team. Uh, that was a great year. I think that was the first year that we started running the Wildcat with Tony Sperano. Mm-hmm. Rest in peace, one of my favorites. Um, yeah, the Wildcat year with Ronnie Brown, Chad Pennington, and Tony Sperano was by far, even though we got crushed by the Ravens <laughs> in a wild card game, like 35 to seven. Don't quote me, but that was definitely sad to say, but that's probably my most exciting year. Right. Dolphins fan. And that's my point, because for me, that's a hilarious memory. Because I remember exactly where I was when Chad Pennington on the Dolphins beat the Jets. I'm pretty sure if it was it was either like the last game of the regular season. Was, I, I might be mixing stuff up here, but it might, was it the year Brett Favre was on the Jets? Yeah, you're actually, yeah, you're actually, I'm pretty sure you nailed it. I'm pretty sure it was the last game of the season, two to get into the playoffs when Brett Favre is a Jet. I think you're right. Yeah, and I remember the Dolphins not Chad Pennington of all people on the Dolphins knocked out the Jets, which is so hilarious. And I was in the Pennsylvania house. Shout out to Paul Bars and Papa Bars. And the three <laughs> of us were watching. They're diehard Giants fans. And they are hysterical laughing. Chad Pennington, he could only throw 12 yards. He beat the Jets. And, like, that's hilarious. That's a great moment. Good for the Dolphins. Good for Chad Pennington. But for that to be back to the, the the main point here, for that to be like one of the best memories, you guys, Dolphins fan, you know, that's not great. That's probably not great, right? Uh, that being said, you're embarking on this new era right now, where you said you feel really, really good about the coach, and then we haven't talked about it. We've been bouncing around it. We feel like we might have the quarterback. That's how Dolphins fans feel right now. Feeling very bullish. So week one with Tua, it, it was almost like a fake game. It didn't count. The way it happened, the game script, the Dolphins obviously got the defensive touchdown, the punt return touchdown. Tua got strip-sacked on his first play. It, it was a, a whirlwind. It almost feels like it wasn't real. I said to Pat Boyle on last week's podcast, this feels like Tua's debut week, like his real first start. Now that you saw it, every play, you watch the whole thing, they come out with the win against a good team and another good quarterback in Kyler Murray. The defense did help in some spots. How are you feeling about Tua after his true you know, first showing to the world here. Well, you definitely nailed it. I think last week, you know, it counts for sure. It counts on the record, but we still caught a W. But 
when you said on the pod uh, next week feels like his real debut, I think the entire national media and especially fans, of course, felt that. Um, you know, playbook was pretty condensed last week. You know, maybe Changeli is a little nervous. Understandable, I guess. Tough defense it is what it is. But this week truly felt like you know you can't go play Arizona and throw for 93 yards and no touchdowns. It just can't happen. So you know, my my fear all along was, you know, don't condense the playbook, let the guy throw, got to get him into a rhythm. You know, he has to be comfortable and he's going to have to score points You're playing Arizona. Like, you, you know, everyone saw it 34, 31, Arizona's going to score points at the end of the day. Kyle Murray is a stud. He's just a flat out stud. So, you know, I'm really impressed at him. You know, I could pinpoint one specific moment. Um, ball in our own eight yard line, fourth quarter down. I believe we're down. No, tie game, I'm sorry. And um, Tua goes down the field. Uh, I think that drive, he was five for five for like six. And um, that was a, that was a drive. He had two rushes for 32 yards, I believe, where he had mm-hmm. a little scamper. He split somebody. Oh, that was fresh. Uh, he got away from, yeah, he got away from Buda Baker. Um, you know, but backed up at his own eight-yard line. I know he faced a third and nine that first, that first sequence. Uh, threw a dot to Devontae Parker. Um, he had a couple of plays in this game where I just stopped and I, you know, I look at my dad because he's a, another Dolphin fan. I'm like, Dad, we might have something here. You know, I'm jumping the gun a little bit, but he definitely showed some serious poise. Um, and it, it didn't look like the moment was too big for him because, in my opinion, that was one of the better games and better back and forth games of the day. And it didn't, he didn't seem flustered. He was smart with the football. Um, so the national media can stop that. Uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick, I feel bad for you, Train, because. We don't win this game with Ryan Fitzpatrick. Ryan Fitzpatrick throws a pick, maybe two. You don't throw the pick or two against Arizona and win that game. So that that whole train can stop now, even though it has. But right. they could throw that out immediately. Well, it's an interesting point, and I think you nailed it from day one. When, when the first time you made the appearance on the podcast, you were like, all right, everyone's talking about Ryan Fitzpatrick like he's doing so great or he's having a career year or this or that. You were like, no, we know what Ryan Fitzpatrick is. We know he's going to make big plays, and we know he's going to take it away. And that's exactly what happened. It's only, you know, he almost uh, is the reason why you didn't you know, route the Jets. He didn't have a good game against the freaking Jets. And, and it's not to, to say you know, Fitzpatrick's a bad dude or he didn't get you know, the, the rug pulled out from under him because maybe he did. Maybe he didn't know it was coming. Maybe that's a little bit wrong. Sure, that's fine. That all being said, doesn't matter. Two is the future until he's not, and you're not going to find out unless you try. Clearly, they're onto something here. And when you have a team like the Dolphins that competes like they do on defense, they do have some, you know, sneaky, solid talent on the receiving core. The running back situation, especially now with Gaskin, uh, is a little bleak. And the running, you know, running efficiency isn't exactly the strong suit right there anyway. But this team can compete. And if in that locker room they think they compete, they can compete. Do you want the guy who's, you know, high risk, high reward, high ceiling, low floor? Or do you want Tua who, in theory right, because we haven't seen it consistently yet, in theory is a guy who will make less mistakes with the opportunities at big plays still because he's not going to be just straight-up gunslinging like Fitzpatrick is. Fitzpatrick's been doing this for a long time. That's who he is. We know this. Uh, Tua, on the other hand, has the capabilities to be more precise, you know, move the ball down the field, you know, slow and steady. The short game was very impressive. I, I personally, I'm enamored when he makes these quick, twitchy movements in the pocket and then like follows it up with another quick decision on a throw. He'll he'll pump with his hips or he'll he'll throw a quick arm shot one way and he'll turn course the other way and throw a dime 12 yards downfield. Simple, 
but it's impressive. What are you seeing from the athlete of Tua Tonga Biola? Because the questions are, oh, you know, he was fast in college. Now he's banged up. Does he even have the athleticism we think he does? Or is he going to have to be strictly pocket? Game one or game two for him, he proved maybe otherwise. How are you feeling about that aspect of Tua? Well, that's a great question because, you know, even at Bama, you know, uh, he wasn't like crazy fast, but he had some quick twitch movements where he can escape some pressure. Um, didn't really show much last week, but I think the first play of this game, actually, they uh, play action right, ran a boot left. He had a nice pep in his step. He throws the ball beautifully on the run. The ball comes out quick. Um, and like everyone always says, the the accuracy with him was never a question, but that's a different story. But, um, you know, they moved the pocket a lot for him this past Sunday. So, you know, when he's moving and his feet are going, he looks, you know, he looks like he's got a little pep in his step. And like I said to you earlier, he had two huge runs late in the fourth quarter. Um, one of them, I think, was 22. Maybe the other one was seven. But they were on key third downs. And, um, you know, he didn't run around. You don't look at him and say, like, all right, this guy has no idea what he's doing. You know, he made quick, twitchy movements. You know, he made a juke move off of Buda Baker, like you guys always talk about, and I've always said, stud safety. Not easy to make a nice uh, juke move on Buda Baker. But he looks good. Um, you know, he's he very smart also. I, I was screaming at my TV when he started running. I said, please slide, please slide, please slide. <laughs> and thankfully, he knows how to slide. I know some of these kids don't, you know, some of these rookie quarterbacks don't really know how to slide sometimes, but uh, he got down, I think. People in the, in the organization tell me, telling him, don't do not take a big hit. Please yeah, please. Anything you do, yeah. please do not take a big hit. <laughs> but uh, yeah, he definitely showed his athleticism. Um, the most to me, rather than just the running, when he moves, when he presses the pocket and presses the line of scrimmage, his ball still comes out with full velocity and full accuracy. So to me, that's the most impressive aspect. So, you know, to your point. Definitely saw some athleticism that I wasn't too sure if he was still going to have. So, and honestly, one more thing off that too is there's a confidence with him that is kind of it's almost weird. It's one of those things where you know you know like when you watch Russell Wilson and I always thought Russell Wilson was like a decent comp for him because you know a little smaller. They're really athletic, but they're not particularly like fast and measurables, right? Like Russell Wilson doesn't run the best forty time out of any quarterback. Like, but Daniel Jones would probably torch Russell Wilson in a in a forty whoa. yard in a forty whoa, yard whoa, whoa. in a forty yard dash in a forty yard dash. I Daniel Jones one of the fastest quarterbacks in the league, bro. That ass. I know. But I Russell Wilson's right. athleticism awareness make it a, a thousand times more efficient. Like, don't get it twisted. I'm not trying to say like anything about anything about that. But <laughs> Tua reminds me of Russell in that sense, where measurable. Not as impressive, but the way it works and the way the mind and the body kind of correspond, it's very impressive. Uh, there was one throw where he got backed up and the, the whole line was like in his face. And I didn't watch most of the game uh, live because I was at a family function with Red Zone on. And I was trying to get as many views as I could in there. But I watched like the extended highlight thing on uh, NFL.com or whatever or that they put up on YouTube. And there was one throw where he made a cross. Uh, so he's lefty, so he threw it to his left, to towards the sideline. It was probably about, like, 14 yards downfield, but it was all the way to the other sideline, and the line was pressed up in his face. I had to rewind the, the film, like, four times. Like, wait, 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 wait. It looked like the ball was going to go to, like, a short slant, and he threw it 15 yards downfield with poise, with pressure in his face. I was like, oh, damn. That was, like, a weirdly confident. Like, I don't even know how he made the throw. I don't know how he got it off that cleanly, but the ball still flew out of his hand. I couldn't believe it. Yeah, no, I think I know the play you're talking about. He was moving to his right, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. He threw it yeah. cross field left. Kind of like he was like backed up a little bit and then threw yes. it to his left across the field. It was insane. Yeah. And me as a fan, I'm watching him like, oh, here we go, pick. Mm -hmm. As soon as he threw the ball, it didn't look right. He's rolling right, throwing left. I'm like, oh, God, that ball's floating for a little bit. But he's still got the zip. You know, I, you know, 
when he threw it, I'm like, oh no, that might be a problem. But <laughs> like you just said, you kind of like step back and say, did he just make that throw? Yeah, like, did I, he just make I, that in his head and say, I got this. Like no worries. But you know, he he showed some freakish throws like that, and you know, like you said, the confidence aspect. I think he's got it, and it's it might be quiet. You know, it might be he might be keeping it in a little bit, but I think he knows deep down, like you know, I could be a successful dude in this league, and if right. he's gonna get compared to Russell Wilson. I'll take it. I mean, hey, you know? I'm probably being aggressive with that, but it's a fair yeah. thing. Based off of the play style, the play style, I don't think it's crazy. Obviously, you want to be careful with comparisons because it's not fair to Russell Wilson to say this rookie who's played one and a half games is uh, as good as you or like you, and it's not fair to Tua to put that pressure on him. But nonetheless, I do have a question, though, and um, you know, we're going to wrap up in a second now. When you look at Tua and the rest of the season and you look at this team, do you expect and or expect or hope, right? Take it where you want. Expect or hope more games where it's like, okay, 20 for 24, 225, and two touchdowns. Or do you expect some of these like real booming numbers games for Tua where it is, you know, 35 attempts, almost 40 attempts like Joe Burrow has. Uh, Herbert to be slinging like crazy right now. Do you expect some of those games where he's throwing for 400 yards to win? Or do you expect him and the Dolphins to be more you know, we're going to play consistent 20, 25 times a game, not make mistakes and win with our defense. What, what do you, what do you see the future for the Dolphins here now? Well, you know, I think recipes like yesterday, you know, you got a rookie quarterback. I don't think he, you know, Joe Burrow is a different story, but I think a winning recipe with a good defense, which the Dolphins have, and unfortunately not a great run game, which hopefully we could pick up by years, uh, years end in a couple of games, which we get under our belt. Um, you know, I'll be happy with 28 dropbacks and an efficient game from Tua. Um, you know, let's just put into perspective the next four weeks, okay? We're playing the Chargers, the Broncos, the Jets, and the Bengals. And I'm, I'm not just saying this because I'm a fan, but I would like to think that the Dolphins are better than all four of those teams. All, so all winnable games at minimum. Without a doubt. So, you know, if you could have the recipe where you play good stout defense, um, maybe run the ball a little successfully, you got to take some some pressure off the kid's shoulders. Um, you know, he drops back 20 to 30 times a game, but he's efficient, doesn't make mistakes, uh, throws a ball away. I'll take it. You know, he, they might have, if, he, if there's a game where he has to drop back 40 times a game, then so be it. There might just be that game. You, you know, me and you, we could watch 100 games. You'll never know what's going to happen or how many times a, a guy's going to drop back. But, you know, know, if he's got to do it, he's got to do it. But in, in today's NFL, you know, this, this dude's dropping back like 70 times a game. Well, typically that's um, not a good thing, right? Back. Like typically that's not something you want to see, right? Joe Burrow dropped back, what, 60-something times in like his second game of his career, and they lost because they were playing catch-up like crazy, and they couldn't run the ball for nothing. So it's not always a good thing, which is part of the point of why I brought it up. Yeah, definitely. I think if you drop back 70 times a game against NFL defense, something's bound to happen. That's just <laughs> me. Yeah, someone's going to make a play. Someone's yeah. going to make mistakes. Something's going to happen. So, uh yeah, I mean, I just hope that we could, you know, get a steady run game because, you know, you can't really, you know, once you said to me before, you said, you know, once the film's out and people start, you know, mm -hmm. knowing what he's about, you know, you can't really just put all the pressure on him and just not run the football. Like, you can't just go a full drive or a full quarter and just have one or two unsuccessful runs and just put it all on the kids. It's not going to not going to work. It's right. just reality. Right. And, that, and that's why it's important to note with all these rookie quarterbacks and how lucky are we that we get to see Dolphins Chargers and Dolphins Bengals. We get Tua Herbert, Tua oh, Burrow. Yeah. In the first six weeks of, of Tua being a starting quarterback in the league, how lucky are we? I'll I tell you, like, 
that's just magical stuff right there. And we just saw two versus Kyler, another young quarterback, one uh, number one pick from a year ago. Incredibly lucky stuff, but it's important to note, and we see it with everybody from Lamar Jackson down to Sam Darnold, where there's varying levels of success that these people can have. And Joe Burrow looks like an absolute stud right now. It looks like he'll never not be a great quarterback in this league or a very good quarterback in this league, wherever you want to put him. Herbert looks like he's going to sling the ball all over the field for the next 15 years. That all feels great right now, right? Those all feel like very possible things. That can change in the blink of an eye when something gets figured out about a quarterback. If a defense, you know, really is able to shut down and expose one part of somebody's game. It doesn't look like it happened with Burrow. It doesn't look like it'll happen with Herbert, but it could. We wouldn't have said this about Lamar Jackson during last year's uh, MVP run, and now it's like, oh, does he have what it takes again? We're having that conversation. So for all the hype, there needs to be some caution because these defenses are still learning these guys a lot too. For sure. I just want to also throw it out there. Tua, 2-0 as a starter. Matched enough wins that Joe Burrow's got, 2-5. and five. <laughs> Herbert also, 1-5 as a starter. Throws for 300 yards a game, but they can't finish. All so, right. you know, I'm just throwing that little cocky point out there. St. Matt Joe Burrow's wins got one up on uh, on Herbert, and uh, he's and got a chance to go out, go after both of them. So. And half the time, man, we are lucky. We are lucky. That's awesome. Uh, oh, Chris yeah. Mule, I'm not going to ask you for any predictions because I think we're just going to be having to talk every week now uh, about all sorts of stuff, not just Dolphins. You're more than just a Dolphins guy, but I know, and I told you this in text yesterday, I trust that you watched that game. You didn't just, you know, peruse it on Red Zone. You didn't just, like, watch the highlights like I did because I was so busy yesterday. Like, you watched Tua in in his true coming-out party. And uh, for that, I say thank you for bringing some of that knowledge onto the Subway Sports Talk podcast. Absolutely, Pete. You know it's a pleasure. Absolutely. Uh, it's about time somebody recognized me dissecting a Dolphins <laughs> game for my entire <laughs> life, and you're that guy. So, for that, I am thankful for sure. Yeah. But- that's dead ass. Uh, lastly, do you have anything to say about Tom Brady and the Buccaneers? Like, I mean, I, you have, I do, you have any bad beats for me? What, oh, yeah, give me some Buccaneers or Brady sauce or something like that. Well, for bad beats, don't talk to me. We, we can do another hour. hour. We can do another yeah. hour on that. You don't want to. You don't want to <laughs> talk to me. Um, three quarters Bucks offense. Possessions in orders: three and out, three and out, three and out, three and out. Interception, turnover, interception, turnover on downs, interception. Tom Brady and the Bucks, with Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, Gronk, A.B., Jaden Mickens, who's pretty decent, Ronald Jones, Leonard Fournette, LaShawn McCoy, a decent O-line. What are we doing here? Really, what are we doing here? And I'm one of the guys that said two weeks ago on your pod, the Bucks get hot, you better watch out. I should have knew last week when they snuck by the Giants. Snuck by? Something was going on. Yeah, snuck Holy by. Holy hell. You know what? I've been saying this and, like, I know you sent a picture into our group chat with Rock and Pat earlier with about the uh, the Bucks and being like the Kevin Garnett, Paul Pierce Nets. With the, I think that was Pat. I'll oh, Pat, Pat sent it in. Yeah, I forgot who Pat. sent it in. But yeah. uh, I've been saying that since week one of the season, you know, half half jokingly, because I do really believe that the Bucks are a playoff team. They're going to make a run. But that's because I want to say it half jokingly because people forget that that Nets team the first year won a playoff series. It's not like that Nets team the first year was an absolute dud. It was just, it was one and done. And it was like over before it even started type of situation. And every single year over the past two or three now with Tom Brady, there's these pockets of each season where it's like, oh damn, he can't move. If there's pressure, they're done. They got nothing. If they can't run the ball, they got nothing. If the defense isn't on fire, what are they doing? And there's these moments. And I'm not trying to say 
you know, Brady's absolutely fried and they're not going to be in the playoffs in the conference championship because they probably still, they probably will be, right? They probably still will be. The defense will turn around, but there is serious cause for concern with this team. That was a pathetic, pathetic showing on Sunday Night Football. Pathetic. For all the question marks about the Saints that also exist right now, Michael Thomas comes back. He doesn't even have that big of a game, but his gravity shows huge weight. And that Saints offense was freaking rolling, and the Bucks looked helpless. Helpless, dog. Oh, my God. Yeah, man, helpless. I, don't, I think helpless is being generous. Uh, coming from a guy that been on Tampa Bay three straight weeks in a row, Oof. I'm done. So I'm, I'm off that train. But I don't know who they got this week. <laughs> I got I got. <laughs> What's the line this week? What are we looking at? Yeah. Um, I don't know. I mean, you know, I think sometimes less is more. And I think they got too many egos over there. I think that might be, you know, going into the equation over there. That's a lot of uh, – a lot of guys trying to touch the football. That might have something to do with it. I think Bruce Arians, hopefully, you know, he's got to sort some stuff out for sure. But, you know, they should be they should get themselves into the playoffs and make some noise. You know, they they're way too talented Damn. not to. So they got okay. a tough couple weeks coming up, bro. Let me tell you. Let me hear it. All right, they got they're at the Panthers this coming week, Oof. and then they are home versus the Rams, and then they got the Chiefs. They're also at home for that. Mm. So. Three teams in a row that are no slouches. And if you struggle with the with the Giants and then you got smoked by the Saints, there's no reason that the Panthers are, are guaranteed victory, the Rams are guaranteed victory, and obviously they won't even be favorite against the Chiefs. So goddamn. I mean they're six and three and they're looking good. They get after that they get the Vikings, Falcons, Lions, Falcons. So Falcons say, you yeah. know, you feel pretty good about that. The Vikings are starting to look like a real team again, and the Lions are the Lions, so hey. But, yeah. dude, the Bucks, man, they got to figure it out. They got You can't run the ball five times either and win an NFL football game. No, that doesn't happen. No, absolutely it does not, not happen. I, I don't know what else to say about them. We'll talk more about it with Pat and uh, Rock in a moment. But, Mule, my brother, thank you so much as always. Uh, hopefully, schedule-wise, we can figure it out. We'll get the three of us back all at once, or the four of us back all at once next week or, or the week after, something like that. So, shout-out to you. Go Fins, baby. You know it, baby. Thanks for having me on, Pete. Appreciate you, bro. You got it. Stand clear of the closing doors, please. And that's Mule getting out of here. Chris, Christopher Mule, shout out to you. Thank you so much. You're gone. But great news. We have the PPR podcast right back here. Pat Boyle, been with us for picks a couple weeks now. Obviously, all year, the three of us have been doing football talk. Pat, what is up, dude? What's up, man? Starting to sweat here as we're recording Monday night. Patriots. Losing to the Jets. Rock, what is going on? You guys are blowing up the plan. This is, Pat, this is typical Jets. You have a silver lining to maybe change your franchise. And Joe Flacco is going to have one last. He's going to remember his last beer at MetLife. <laughs> Let's hope not. But uh, what's up, boys? Uh, I had my bye week last week. That didn't mean I didn't watch. I didn't listen. You guys crushed it as always. Pete and Pat, two of the best voices. On the pod, on the voice, on the, uh, you in, know, on the, the radio. Game, in so. the game out here, you're saying? Without a doubt. Wait, have no you heard, doubt about it. Have you heard, Rock? We actually haven't talked about this, the three of us together. And, uh, Pat, I've been meaning to bring it to you. And also, Rocco Del Piri, I forgot to formally introduce you uh, into this episode here. But, of course, Pat, I, I can't believe it's actually been this long. I've been meaning to ask you about the situation. And we don't have to go far into it because we could in theory. But a specific uh, running joke or something or other pertaining to you 
and a workplace that we share came back to life today. We haven't discussed this on the pod. Rock, do you even know about this, Pat? Well, first of all, no. Rock, do you know what happened with uh, Mr. Mr. Boyle over here at the, uh, the WFN Studios? I would love to know. Tell me. Learn me. <laughs> Pat, am I throwing you under the bus right now? No, go ahead. Well, I mean, it, it's not really throwing you under the bus. Like, it's I can't really do that because uh, Boomer and Geo kind of done it already a couple times over. Basically, what had happened was, Pat, uh, you know, we work overnight shifts sometimes there, and it gets crazy. It's hard to to stay awake, and you got to go from one job to another. So Pat took a nap, as many people do inside the studios. He just happened to take a nap on Boomer's couch. Oh. He left the, left the door open. Does this I ring a bell, Rock? Have you heard of this? No. So that was the that's the short story. There's then there was a note saying thank you and a and a you know apologize for using your couch and then it, it made its way to air where Pat then made his debut as a guest on WFN rather than just a guy behind the glass where you were on the morning show. Pat, do you have anything to say about this? That it came back, it still has life. Is it weird for you right now? No, I mean it was whatever. I never obviously ever expected to, you know them to take that on air. I wrote a note saying, hey, Boomer, like, thanks for the couch. Talk about first-class comfort, by the way. Solid, <laughs> solid fucking choice on the Guinness in the fridge. True, I was like, true you know story. what? Because like, sometimes, you know, we leave at 5, 5.30 a.m., and they're coming in to get ready to do their show. So I figured, you know, maybe Boomer sees it next time. he's even, You know, I say, hey, I introduce myself because I, you know, never formally met him. And he goes, is your guy with the couch? You know, you're an asshole. But like, you know, like laughing about it. Yeah. yeah. And all of a sudden, three days later, I got my phone's blown up. They're like, dude, you're, they're talking about you on the radio. And I was like, oh my God. And you got to have you on. Yeah. uh, We had, we had had some fun with it. Um, Just a nice little roast. I think I stood up for myself pretty well though. And then that was in December, 11 months later. And we're a little resurfacing today. So. um, Man, that was in December, Pat. Yeah, oh, I could have like sworn that was first like week of December. I could have sworn that was like last June. It feels like so long ago. Holy hell, last yeah, December. Like I guess ago. it's pretty much a year. Oh my gosh, I remember even my phone was blowing up that day because obviously you and I know each other. Then people know I work at like you know work at the station sometimes. So I'm getting texts like, "Yo, what's up with this Pat Boyle situation?" I'm like, I have, I'm on the bus half asleep. I'm like, "What the hell are you guys talking about?" I turn on the radio show. I'm like, "Oh my god, they're playing your your theme song." <laughs> It was uh, it was quite the the situation, but it was weird for me to see that it made a comeback today. Was there a reason for that? Um, I don't think so. Uh, some guy called in because I was listening back to it because I, uh, you know, somebody tweeted at me, and I listened back to their, you know, when they post their podcast, and it was like the last twenty minutes of the show, and they were talking about how Chris Lepresti CeeLo might be doing updates for the afternoon show. So they were like, Oh, who are we going to, you know, we need to get a backup update anchor. And some random guy just calls in. He goes, how about Pat Boyle? Hell yeah. And then, you know, and then they, they play the drops. They played the, the Boyle and Shen show podcast song. Uh, they had some fun with it. So they went nuts with it, which was, and I was cracking up, but that's pretty hey, whatever. Funny. Yeah. What are you going to do? You know what I mean? I didn't, I didn't, I didn't, you know, I guess force the issue. I didn't initiate that one. Rock, how do you feel about the situation at hand? I I love it. That's a, that's the beginning of a, a a huge career for Pat. He'll be famous. That's how you <laughs> that's get into the, the building. Now, it's okay. One they day, know who you are. One day you'll be, you know, a guest on some show, right? You know, you'll be a play-by-play guy. Uh, you know, our podcast blows up, and then you're a guest on some guy's other show. And they're like, you know, what was uh 
what was the real moment where you realized you made it? And you'll be like, well. Defining, a defining <laughs> moment, as we'd call it. Have you ever slept on a uh, Super Bowl winning quarterback's couch? Did he win a Super Bowl, Boomer? Did he lose in the Super Bowl? I don't think he ever won a, never won a Super Bowl. He lost in the Super Bowl. Eh, whatever. Yeah. MVP, though. Yeah. Hey, there you go. You ever sleep on an NFL MVP's couch and then get publicly made fun of for it? Anyways, we went too far on that already, but I feel like it was uh, necessary to break the ice on it, on this podcast at least, you know, in a little more context. Follow Pat Boyle at 80YLE, 80YLE on Twitter and Instagram, all that stuff. Good stuff out there. Rock Rock and I love Pat's tweets. They're great stuff. Oh, best. And uh, (laughs) it really is, and it is. Rock, I'm happy to have you back. Uh, we're every, obviously we're going too far off of this intro. I already talked to Chris Mule for 20 minutes about his Dolphins. Obviously, he's ecstatic. We have a ton to talk about. This is Subway Sports Talk. Pete Kennedy, Pat Boyle, Rocco Del Piri. We're back to football. A little fun, fun aside there for a minute. Um, but I think we should start quickly so you guys can get your two cents out or in, wherever you want to put it, uh, for Tua, what you thought about that Dolphin situation because this is now one of the more interesting or at least exciting talking points we have going in the league right now. So, Rock, uh, watching Tua um, this week obviously felt like the real coming-out party for this dude. Without a doubt, uh, he had a little Steve Young in him, right? Uh, That's a good comp that I haven't particularly thought of. Uh, The lefty lefty thing makes sense. So what did you see? And the mobility. The mobility. I mean, how about that drive, that one drive to tie the game, you know? Crazy. The the poise, too. I feel like, you know, last week people were like, oh, you know, I don't know, Tua, uh, you know, maybe they'll use the Texans draft pick for a QB. That's out the window because he's a stud. He looked great, um, showed a lot of poise, played great in the fourth quarter, and, uh, you know, all three of us know it. You want to win in this league, you got to win in the fourth quarter. Um, what's really exciting is that they got a lot of winnable games coming up. Uh, this looked like the right move at the right time. And it's paying dividends. They they got the draft capital. It's just another another mountain for my Jets to climb. So you know, <laughs> hey, but always- just another notch in uh, your guy B Flow from Brooklyn's belt, right? Where he's just looking like a dude, Brian Flores, who is just doing all the right things. And now his, you know, you jokingly think back to maybe what his impact was in New England, and maybe how much they could miss him right now. I don't know because this Dolphins team is playing a brand of defense that is exciting and it changes games. It's, it's very, very fun. Pat, I want to go to you. I know you're a big Herbert guy. Uh, I know we've talked a lot about quarterbacks, especially young quarterbacks on this podcast. We are lucky enough. And I was just talking about this with, with Mule. We're getting to see not only Tua versus Herbert and the chargers this coming week. We also, I think in four weeks from now, get Tua versus Burrow, uh, and the Bengals. So, Looking at these next couple weeks and these three young quarterbacks, you know, is there a team? Because now the Dolphins look like the best team out of those rookie quarterbacks, right? Or those teams around them. So is there a way where you look at this and you see one quarterback separating themselves? Or do you see we have a, you know, big three, big Ben, Eli, Phil Rivers type situation where three quarterbacks are really good for really long? I mean, I think it's more than that. I think the entire future of this game is in very, very good hands. And you look at guys just a year older than that, a year or two older than that, Kyler Murray, Baker Mayfield, Daniel Jones. Oh, God. We're talking about good of, quarterbacks here, Pat. A lot of young, promising quarterbacks. I mean, you know, when we were – it was only, what, two, three years ago? And even then, Lamar Jackson, Mahomes. You know, it was only a couple of years ago. We're talking about, you know – is this a sustainable position at quarterback guys who can run, use their feet and throw. And 
it, it has completely taken the sport by storm, the league by storm. I, I think with the collection of young quarterbacks we have in the league, uh, we, we are set up for some very, very entertaining football at the most position, important position for years to come. That being said, um, yeah, I think you could have a big three, uh, especially because all the, most of these teams are in rebuilding. Miami's obviously at the tail end of the rebound, rebound now. They look like a playoff team. Um, you know, the Chargers, maybe a year off. They still don't have all, all the pieces necessary. And then Cincinnati, obviously, just a year ago from 1-15. and 15, mm. But we've seen them be competitive. Um, I, I think ultimately it's going to be whatever team's most successful. And right now that is immediately Tua steps into a Dolphins team with a top three defense in the NFL in terms of giving up points per game, a, a head coach that is probably going to be there for the next 10, 15 years. And uh, yeah, just to hit on that game. I, I mean, I think he, he looks like the real deal. You know, he is poised in the pocket. He made some great throws. He zipped the ball in there. He obviously, we know what he can do with his feet. He can run, put on a great juke move late in that game mm. on Buda Baker. So Tua looks the real deal, but I still stand by my position next week, Pete. I think the Dolphins are due for a little regression. I think the Chargers defense gets to Tua. They've got a good pass rush. And I stand by that Herbert is going to outperform Tua Tungavailoa next week. I love the take, and the regression is definitely very possible, right? How many weeks in a row can this defense create points like that? It's tough. It's t Even if your defense plays incredibly well three weeks in a row, it is not guaranteed to put up defensive points like that three weeks in a row. Uh, yeah, so I mean, they've, it'll, gotten, they've gotten 21 points off the defense or special teams in the last two games. Crazy. Yeah. And so that, that's going to be interesting. And really what it comes down to, Pat, you made a great point. I love it with these quarterbacks and it sucks to think about because you start thinking about it every single year. Now, even moving forward, some quarterbacks can be awesome. And if they're drafted to a bad team, it could kind of not matter. If we keep seeing Joe Burrow, getting run around like the way he is right now. Now, granted, their last performance was much better for their offensive line. Like, that could be dangerous for his career. Colin Cowherd, a guy who I, you know, bring up his points just because, you know, he's such a big show. I do watch a show, so some of his talking points get stuck in my head. He thinks about Joe Burrow similarly to Tony Romo. And a lot of people will be like, oh, that's an insult. Like, nah, you got to remember, Tony Romo was, like, really, really talented. He was really, really good. Yes, he had a, a thing with the big game, right? People would knock him for that. But realistically, his career just got cut short because he was running around for his life a lot. And you don't want to see that with these quarterbacks. Now, Herbert, Tua, and Burrow uh, have to fight different levels of adversity based off of what their franchises do around them. So we will be monitoring. We will be talking about these quarterbacks moving forward because it's very exciting. Obviously, this year, the Dolphins have the best chance to make real noise. Uh, but I think that's good there. Do we have anything to say about Kyler Murray and the Cardinals other than the fact that they're damn freaking fun. They need to iron out kinks and get a little better. But we're going to be seeing this Kyler-led Murray team in our lives in competitive football games for the next 10 years. Easy peasy. Yeah, he is. He's exciting to watch. Rock, go ahead. No, I, listen, I, I said it uh, week one, and I keep saying it. Um, they're going to be a tough out in the playoffs. They're definitely, you know, they could score with anyone. And if their defense wants to play, uh, the Cardinals, you know, Cardinals will beat anybody. But with that statement goes – you know, look at yesterday, so they could lose to anybody, too. Facts. Yeah, and and this is part of our larger point that we're going to talk about uh, throughout the rest of this episode. You cannot just take the transitive property and take it completely out of the NFL, out of football. It doesn't work. It doesn't make sense. You know, the Saints beat the Bucks, The Packers beat the Saints. The Bucks crushed the Packers. Like, 
everybody's beating each other. Like, all this stuff, it starts to not make sense. You know, the Seahawks beat the Cardinals. Oh, the Cardinals beat the Seahawks. Shit, I don't even know what the hell's going on. Cardinals beat the Seahawks. The Bills beat the Seahawks, but the Bills lose to someone else who's not good. It, it's all craziness in this NFL, and it's hard to really understand what the hell's going on. And we're going to talk about a bunch of teams, but we need to start specifically with the Bucks and the Saints. It was the biggest game of the week, uh, probably the most important for the NFC at least, uh, as, par- as far as contenders are concerned. And we saw the Bucks get absolutely shellacked, offensively, defensively. It didn't matter. They got smoked. They were de- they weren't playing the same game as the Saints on Sunday night. It wasn't even close. Putting out a performance like that, Rock. Is it just, can you chalk it? Is there anything you can chalk it up to? Take out your coach hat, which I know you have in your back pocket at all times. What can you do to mentally, even in your own head, spin this? Or what can you do to say, all right, you know what? It's over. We're on to the next one. Like, How does that process even work? Because I can't imagine any of those players were even thinking about the game by the time the fourth quarter rolled around. They were probably over it. Oh, yeah. So... That one was over real quick. They got hit, like I like to say, with a buzzsaw. Uh, it just looked like the Saints were more prepared. I, I, You may call me crazy, but I believe Antonio Brown had a lot to do with that beat. Already? Well, be, yeah, because he, he garnered a lot of the, you know, oh, he's in how many plays, and it was it was built around that. You kind of forgot it was they were preparing – to play an NFC South rival, to play a team that already beat them. And you want to laugh, he had just about the most yards for receivers. So how many times did they try and force him the ball? Um, you expected that game to be a shootout, right? Oh, yeah. If, yeah. if, if we would have said... So did my picks. You know, if we would have said Saints scored 38, you said, all right, well, then, you know, Bucks scored 34 or the Bucks scored 41. So, um, but... Or you know, honestly, even if there was a blowout... You say Saints scored 38, you go, all right, the Bucks scored 20, right? Right, right. They got fucking three right. points, bro. Yeah. Um, but I, I definitely think uh, Sean Payton now coached Todd Bowles, and I think I believe in stuff like that. I, 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 I believe in hexes and karma. It's happened to me, but <laughs> Antonio Brown has, has brought so, bad luck to that team. Just like you, your, your quote still stays true about the Brooklyn Buccaneers. Dude. I'm telling you, and uh, Pat, was that you who sent that tweet into our group chat this morning? Yep. Yeah, that, I mean, you know what? I wish I uh, had the pettiness to, like, get the receipts and throw it out there and be like, yo, I've been saying this, but it, it is what it is. We got to remember, the Brooklyn Nets, when they became that KG, Paul Pierce team, they weren't trash right away. It was just one and done. They won one playoff series and it was over. And the Bucks can very well be the same concept here. They're still very much in line to make the playoffs. They could easily still win the division. But you watch them play, and now there's so many mouths to feed. Their mouths are all injured. Gronk, you know, he had a couple weeks where he looked good again. Now he's looking old again. Godwin's got a broken finger. Evans is fighting Marshawn Lattimore. Uh, AB is AB, and he's doing what you said, Rock. I don't know. If you're Bruce Arians right now, Rock, what what are you looking to to make this a steady ship? Like, what... What's the key here to stay focused now if you have one of these big personalities in A.B.? Say you have to keep A.B. there, right? What what happens next? I believe, you know, that their goal now is to make sure they get into the dance, you know, and they know they could swing with anybody and, and just keep getting good at, at the base of the offense and uh, 
you know, and come uh, come January, you know, the first Saturday, Sunday in in January, the best guy to play. And, and to, you know, maybe by then they feel comfortable in in uh, Antonio Brown, Evans, and Godwin. They'll all be on the field. But I I just feel that the pressure with him there start looking that way is the cue. Oh, I got to get him the ball, make him happy. Right. That, that he brings, uh, you know, his different type of energy. It's a gravity that is gravity. opposite from how I, ex- I just explained, like not explained, but said to Mule before I said goodbye to him about the, the gravity that Michael Thomas brought to the saints. Like he didn't even have a big game numbers wise, but that offense looks completely different when he's on the field. He's one of the few non quarterbacks in the league who moved the spread more than a point. And, and that's true. Like he can do that, Michael Thomas, and even he has his own issues clearly off the field now, right? But the Saints make it work, and will the Bucks make it work? I assume so. They do, however, have a buzzsaw coming up. And I will ask you a pat another question in a second, but you have you have to listen to this schedule here for the Buccaneers because it is not pretty coming forward. They have uh, pretty much four weeks in a row of incredibly tough games. They have first off the Panthers this week coming up. Not an easy game, but and they are at Carolina. Then they have the Rams, the Chiefs, and they get the Vikings, who have been playing much better football lately. Is there a chance here with these next four games and beyond where we start having real issues about the Bucs even making the playoffs? Is it Could it get that ugly, or do we tr- fully expect them to have a game in these next two or three weeks where we say, okay, no, 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 they're good and they're back? Well, I think Pete, and again, I, I, I repeatedly say over and over again, the NFL has more parity than it really any other sport in, uh, in America. And, you know, you see it on a week to week basis. I mean, it was a couple of weeks ago. They Tampa Bay blows out the Packers 38, 10, they blow out the Raiders 45, 20. And in the last two weeks, they almost get beat by the giants and they get destroyed by the saints. And we went from two weeks ago saying that this Bucks team is ready to go to the Super Bowl to now you're asking if they're even going to make the playoffs. So, and don't worry, because this is everywhere. Everybody does this. I think we need to take a deep breath and we need to do a relax because I wouldn't be shocked if Sunday night next week, the Buccaneers beat the Panthers and the Saints lose to the 49ers <laughs> and Tampa Bay's back and first in the NFC South and all is right with the oh world. Oh my gosh. Um, and again, just, just judging off of Tampa Bay's games this year, look at all their wins, Carolina beat them by 14, beat Denver by 18, beat the chargers, a game that which they were down, what, two and a half scores early on beat the Packers by 28, beat the Raiders by 25. They've obviously got the talent. They've obviously got the skill set and the weapons to be as good as we've seen them. Uh, that was just a game where literally everything that could have gone wrong went wrong for them. You know, they got a left hook to the face, then a right hook to the other. Then they broke, then they got their nose broken. Then they got their teeth knocked out and then they got their balls kicked in. <laughs> and, and within, within 20 minutes, that game was over. It was. And from then it was from there. It was, you know, Brady, I was trying to throw down the field, make plays that he can't make. Uh, and, and it was as ugly as a result as it could have been. So uh, I think that we can't take that. We got to take it with a grain of salt at the end of the day. 38-3 or 38-20, you know, either way, they got their asses kicked, but they can easily come back next week. Like I said, they could beat the Panthers, and they could beat the Rams, and we could be looking at this team at 8-3 and three going against the Chiefs right after Thanksgiving. So I'm not concerned. I still think they're a playoff team. I mean, you look at the you look at their ability to get to the quarterback. They're back, the top five in the NFL in doing that. 
and I'm not ready to start buying into Brady's done because we've done it so many times and so many times he's proved us wrong. So I'm not worried about Tampa Bay. I think that has to be considered the right answer, right? Even if you're a Bucks hater or you're trying to be a Brady truther where you're trying to predict that he's actually done this time, deep down in your soul, you have to know that the correct answer is what Pat Boyle just said. That's the correct answer. They're a really talented team, and their defense is no joke. Yes, they just got smoked by New Orleans. Let's be honest. A lot of people over the course of time have been smoked by Drew Brees, Sean Payton, and New Orleans. It's happened, you know, two weeks ago. It happened a month ago. It happened two years ago. It'll happen in two weeks. So it happens. Uh, It sucks for them that they lost two games to their biggest division rival, but so be it. This team fully should expect to still be uh, right in the thick of things. Now, Rock, did you did you learn anything about the Saints though? Because it's this is part of the reason why this is such a I don't want to use the word controversial. That's not proper, but why this is such a big game is because not only did the Bucks sputter against the Giants and lay an egg against the uh, against the Saints, the Saints haven't exactly looked good even in their wins this year. Do we do we truly think that they have what it takes to be like Super Bowl contender level, or are they going to be just a nice quality playoff team again? I think you hit the nail on the head, Pete, with uh, Michael Thomas. Different team. Like I say, you know, over and over, I'm a firm believer in, you know, the mental makeup of the team. So he came back. They had a little juice with that. And uh, they played hot. And, they, you know, they're real and they feel real confident. They had club dub after where. uh, Shawnee Payton was doing a two-step over here. Yeah. Embarrassing himself. Rex Ryan. Rex Ryan told him he danced better than than that, but uh, I think they're um I think that you know they could win too. It's just the like Pat said, the parody's crazy. The N- the NFC, other than the Bears who are frauds, they and they were they were hogging a playoff spot. There's four or five teams that that could be standing in the end in the Super Bowl in March. And that's probably why it's so weird to have this conversation right now, right? If you're going with the confidence rankings in the NFC specifically, there is no real good place to hang your hat. There really isn't. Seeing how the Bucks played the past two weeks, how can you be so confident? Uh, the Saints have had their issues even in some of their wins. The Seahawks' defense is literally historically bad. Like, that's not even an exaggeration. Like, oh, it's historically bad. No, no, no. By the numbers, it's literally historically bad. The Cardinals are good, but they're probably a year away. The Rams seem to be a different team each and every week. The Niners are now banged up, and the NFC East is the NFC East. I didn't mention the Packers, but same concept. They can get roughed up two weeks in a row, and then all of a sudden, they absolutely smoke somebody again. In this NFC, the storylines are changing so freaking quick, and that's where I want to move this next conversation to. And it's not untrue for the AFC. It just happens to be a little crazier in the NFC right now. These narratives move so fast. Pat, before we get into a specific team... Do you think this narrative thing that I look into is a little bit like superficial and on the surface, whereas like maybe the players and coaches in these locker rooms are much steadier, you know, like they have a bad game, but they stay kind of steady or is there fluctuation in these locker rooms too, where they don't even know who they are? Cause that it's what it looks like sometimes. Um, I think, you know, that it can be like that with two or three losses in a row. You can just kind of feel your season start to slip away, but, now, one loss, one win, uh, uh, you know, again, I think these these coaches in the NFL, for the most part, outside of guys like Adam Gase, you know, they're good enough to the point where they realize each game is different. You need a new game plan every week. It's, it's a completely new week. I mean, they say it all the time, but it's true. Now, they approach every game uh, 
notwithstanding the results from last week or what's going to happen the week after that. So again, you know, Bruce Arians and this Tampa Bay team, I'm sure they're not going to let this game affect them. If anything, it'll make them hungrier against Carolina. I, <clears throat> and I don't think that, I think for the most part, you know, a week to week basis, these NFL teams don't let the, the past result gets them too much. It's, it's probably fair. Rock, you're a coach. You have anything to say about that? Is there is there a true thing with a week-to-week stuff where it's more overarching and it's over the coaches' heads? They don't care. They're they're locked into their stuff, really? It might, you know, I, I go back and forth, and I, I you know I've had, we've had our fair share of wins and we've had our fair share of letdowns. So um, I think a loss like yesterday for the Bucks, it was over so quick. So they had time to think about it during the loss. <laughs> so they Honestly, were doing healing. That's a great point. That's a it's great a, point. It, listen, we got to get our shit together. You're walking around like, yeah, like we, you know what, this week during practice, like you're thinking about the problem, like not when you lose, you know, because at the end of the day, lose by one, lose by 14, lose by 30. You got to play that next team next week. And in the NFL, each week's a new team with a new game plan, with a new matchup that you could exploit or good going to get exploited on. So um, it's it's what keeps it interesting. So the, our, our New York Giants with a win against the Eagles, and it's like, all right, it don't really matter that you lost seven games prior to this. Like if you play pretty good football and win your division games and get the six wins, you're probably going to be in the players posting <laughs> – Hosting a playoff game. For real. If Daniel Jones played the Redskins every game, he'd be undefeated. Uh, but no, that's a, such a good point, Rog. If if you get truly smoked in a game, whether you're in seventh grade, high school, college, pros, if it's like not even a competition by halftime, you're over it by the time that game's done. By the time that game's done, you're like, all right, I need to get my bag packed so I can get my sandwich or whatever I'm eating. It's, like you're on to the next one, which is there's no way. eating, Pete. After you get destroyed, <laughs> you're you not sound, allowed that. Now you sound you, like you, my father. Yeah. <laughs> That's he'd be saying to me back in the day. Oh yeah, no dessert, no dinner for you. I'm like, all right, Dad. We know, we both know. I'm getting some friggin' meatballs tonight. All right, don't get it twisted. Anyways, uh, so let's talk about some of the teams that this may be a thing about, right? And I think a great place to start is um, a team like the Ravens, for example, right? Last week, it was woe is me. Uh, Lamar Jackson cannot play against a good defense. He can't play against a pass rush. Greg Roman is exposed. Uh, you know, can we really trust Lamar Jackson as a Super Bowl winning quarterback? And then they come out and they not only beat the Colts, but they actually come back from uh, a halftime deficit, which not that it was like an incredibly, you know, blowout first half for the Colts, but uh, there was a stat. It was like the first Ravens win where they were trailing at halftime in like 20-something attempts. So that's a huge step. And now we're sitting here talking about the Ravens, where they just beat a pretty solid, probably AFC playoff team. So was this, did, was there a massive overreaction last week, Rock, on the, on Ravens and Lamar Jackson? I, I was one of the guys overreacting. Uh, well, I, wasn't on, <laughs> I wasn't on the cast, but if I was, I would have been saying uh, I'd take Drew Locke over oh my God. Lamar Jackson. <laughs> Wait, are you are you joking? Or are you explaining? Yeah, no. I, I, in two minute drill, who do you want, Pat? You want Lamar or you want Drew Locke? Two minute drill, kid. It's tough to it's tough to not say Lamar Jackson. Uh, all right, 
All right. Drew but, Locke has had like two, like three in the in in a year and a half. He has had like three unbelievable fourth quarter comebacks down to the last drive. Other than that, yeah. he's he's been pretty pretty terrible. But no, I know. I I, I don't know. Look, I think uh, Lamar. I think you know teams have found how to defend Lamar a little bit better, right? Obviously, and the uh, the Ravens' offense. Um, it, it's a system thing, but. Uh, Hey, listen, I, I thought going into the year, I said, you know, Ravens are 14 and two at worst. Right. So do I see him rallying off eight straight wins? I don't know. But um, they're uh, they're in the mix. They're, they're in the mix in the AFC. They like they could they could come out one day and and, and beat the, the Chiefs. But uh, I was more impressed with the Colts. How about that? Like the Colts proved to me like that they played with them and it was in that they were in that game and they, they blew it, but right. Colts you know, a sneaky team as well. Well, I think they take drew lock over Phillip rivers. I'll tell you that much. Definitely. God damn. I mean, that I would say, <laughs> and especially in a fourth quarter, uh, comeback too. Cause as for as many moments as rivers has, none of them were big enough to outweigh all the, the times he blew it. And that's unfortunate. Eli has probably blown half as many or I mean just as many games as Philip Rivers right he's probably had his fair share of blowups but he has a good share of big games where he came through clutch and they have completely different outlooks on their career when they're probably a lot more similar outside of two runs right so Rivers has this thing on him and it's not coming off because it hasn't been changed Lamar Jackson's young enough where he could change it it, it takes that one win over the Chiefs it takes that one win over the Steelers where they don't turn the ball over and they take care of it. And as we talked about, me and Pat last week, they could have, should have, would have won that game. They outgained them by crazy on the ground, by total yards. They had the lead at a half. They had the lead going into towards the, uh, you know, third, fourth quarter area, and they blew it. They had turnovers. They they really did give that game away in some facets. Now, about the Steelers, on the other hand, the narrative seems to be they're great. They're great. They're fun. They're fun. They're exciting. They're awesome. Their defense. There's blah, blah, blah. all this great praise, this great praise and stuff. But we've been on this podcast since day one saying they haven't even hit stride yet. So, Pat, are you looking at the Steelers as a team that is a true undefeated juggernaut that hasn't hit stride yet and only has room to grow? Or are you worried about some of the things that showed up against the Cowboys on Sunday? <coughs> or excuse me or showed up in some of their other wins that weren't that impressive this year. Yeah. I mean, I'm worried for really only Roethlisberger. Um, I mean, the offensive line didn't have a great, didn't have a good game. I mean, he was under pressure a lot from a Dallas front seven. That isn't that good. Well, they're getting uh, healthier the part, a little bit. For the most part though, we know the names, we know the cast, you know, the Villanueva is on that offensive line. Pounces, they should be okay. I, I mean, I'm not really worried about the offensive line. I'm not worried about the weapons. Claypool has been a stud. Deontay Johnson's been great. Uh, so, you know, James Conner has been running the ball real well. So, and the defense has been tremendous. So if anything, if there's one person to worry about, it's Roethlisberger for two reasons. And the primary one is his health because like most teams, but especially I think Pittsburgh more so than really any other team, they cannot afford to lose their starting quarterback because we've saw last year, we saw Mason Rudolph. We saw Duck Hodges. Mm. Now they I have don't Josh even know if Hodges is still on the team. But we saw Mason Rudolph, and, he, you know, every little two-minute drill he ran, they were somehow able to pick up, I think, like 15 yards to get a field goal, which they shouldn't have even got it. Boswell missed it, and they false started, and he drilled it from 59. But if Roethlisberger goes down, this team's in trouble. 
He needs to stay healthy. If he goes again, down there, they're irrelevant in the Super Bowl chase, in my opinion. I would I would agree. Yes. They're irrelevant. I mean, and you I, make the same you make the same case though about Kansas City. Oh uh, yeah. But but especially with, with Pittsburgh. Um I, and that's, that's even fair, then right. even then we saw Ben, even before he got hurt, he was not having a good game. He was um, and he wasn't and also part of the thing is uh why I said it the way I did, Ben's more likely to get banged up at this point. He looks banged up when he's healthy. He does. I mean, he's just a big dump truck, but, um, you know, that's somebody that, you know, he can play injured. We've seen it so many times, but, you know, even before then, again, he was missing receivers. He was very frustrated and that was not a good defense. And yes, they're still pro athletes. Yes. You know, that was a game, obviously Dallas got fired up for, that was probably one of their best performances of the year. But even then Roethlisberger did not have a good game. So uh, really, I'm only concerned with with Big Ben for this Steelers team. Other than that, we've they've shown us they're a Super Bowl caliber team. Um, I don't know if they if they haven't hit their stride. I think they've kind of maintained a level of excellence throughout this season. Um, but I and, and if they lose over the next two weeks, I wouldn't take too much stock into it. They're they're, playing, they're due. They're playing Jacksonville and Cincinnati. They should beat them both. If they lose to one. And that's not all of a sudden, oh, Pittsburgh, you know, they're not a Super Bowl team. They lost because we've seen some of the best teams in this league lose to some inferior opponents. But um, I think if you're Pittsburgh, if you're a Steelers fan, if, if Big Ben's healthy, you're loving your chances of a ring. Oh, and you got to keep an eye on that Bengals game because, hey, Joey covers, bro. That guy, Joe Burrow, he's out here. He's trying to win, and he's going to get some wins in the second half of this season. I can guarantee it. And, and quite the spot, opportunity for him to show up and show out is against the Steelers. Uh, Rock, anything to add on the series? We'll move to another team here because there's a couple other teams I want to talk about. We'll, we'll pass. I loved what Patty said. All right, awesome. So now it's time to talk about the Seahawks. And we can talk about the Seahawks and the Bills together because they played each other. They're both kind of on this docket here. Uh, the Seahawks, it wasn't a situation. Like, maybe it was, but like in theory, it wasn't a situation where it was uh, they're a West team who flew East because apparently the Seahawks and Pete Carroll have been like 28 and like 5 against uh, when they fly to the East Coast on a 1 o'clock start or some crazy number like that, right? They got they got shellacked. And yes, they had a little comeback effort towards the end and Russell Wilson was doing Russell Wilson things. But this defense is so bad. It's so bad right now. They got torched up by Josh Allen. No team has given up this many points in X amount of years. You, you know, spew the number out. doesn't matter. It's just true. Their, their defense is really, really bad. Jamal Adams back didn't matter. Carlos Dunlap comes in. Didn't matter. When there's a unit, Rock, that is that much worse than the the opposition on the other side of the ball, what can that do to a locker room? Because I know in Seattle specifically, when the Legion of Boom was running the show, they weren't always thrilled with how the offense performed. And now it's possibly vice versa. Can things get ugly in Seattle? Or do you think Russ and Pete just stay afloat and end up, I don't know where, I actually, I don't even know where they end up. Where do they end up? Tell me. Talk to me. Uh, you definitely can have that offense-defense divide. Um, you know, that's a major, major problem, and that's an underlying issue for many teams, and I, I think that goes without saying. Um, but they do have the QB and the quarterback to make the most of it and get over it. And the coach, so right, right. they will outscore teams. But, yeah, it was, it was, uh, it was funny to see them yesterday. Uh, Josh Allen put on a clinic. It looked like one of the seven-on-seven seven tournaments back in the day when Peter Kennedy used to light the place up. Um, hey. Very, you know, I was laughing because 
one of the good moves the Jets made was getting rid of Jamal Adams. Like he clearly needed the Jets more than the Jets needed him. And we'll get two first round picks for that. Mm. Um, you know, if they do make a run, it'll be real late in the uh, first round, but he struggled covering uh, Stefan Diggs, put him, you know, put him on his ass a few times. And uh, the, uh, the bills, you know, got a great coach and staff, Brian Dabble, more I watch, maybe he's a head coach next year, right? Right. I mean, it's so weird, though. It's part of the whole conversation we're having now. The Bills sputtered two weeks in a row before this game, right? So you come into the week, and this is what part of the reason why gambling has been so freaking hard for a lot of people. They, The Bills were, were a team that was like, oh, snap, their hot offensive start, you know, maybe was a little bit smoke and mirrors, and they were, you know, everything was hitting right at the same time. Then they have a couple down weeks. Then they play the Seahawks, and... You know, that's not bad. When you get to play a defense like that, it's a lot easier to put up points. Is there a team out of those two? I know they're in different conferences, but is there a team out of those two that's that's more complete, or do you think... Because the, the Buffalo's defense, by the way, hasn't been very good. Is there a team that's A, more complete, or B, one of their units is so good that it gets lifted up to true contention? The true contention is the experience of Russell Wilson in the playoffs and Pete Carroll in the playoffs and um, that leadership. Uh, I do believe it was showcased yesterday. The Bills are a better team. Um, I also think the Seahawks have a tougher time, though, getting through the NFC with Brady, with Rodgers, with Breeze, um, not with the Giants or the Eagles, but the Rams, you know. Um, as for the Bills, um if the Bills defense comes to play and, and Josh Allen is avoiding sacks and he's ad-libbing and he's not turning the, the ball over, then they're going to be in every game. Absolutely. And, yeah, uh, we just got Patty Boyle. Patty, are you there? Yeah, I have no clue what happened. My Wi-Fi is down. Uh, my TV's going in and out. There is no storm of any kind in central Jersey, so I'm not sure what's going on, but I'm um, – Got me here on the phone, so it looks like uh, I'll be able to continue. Did you expect when you called me for me to patch you right back into the show? Uh, yes, because you're you're an absolute stud. <laughs> you're, you know, you're a legend. That's, that's exactly the type of production I expected. So glad that you lived up to my expectations. There we go. Board op extraordinaire, even from home. I'm not even at the fan anymore. Anyways, uh, it's a great call by you, Rock. We're talking about the Seahawks and the Bills, Pat. In case you missed a little bit of that, there we're talking about who, you know, who's offense can carry them up or whose defense holds them back less because we really do have that scenario here and basically we have to agree with you there rock right you give russell wilson and the seahawks the benefit of the doubt that all they need on a given day is their defense to show up a little bit and they can do the rest they cannot put out duds the way they did against the bills which you hope this doesn't continue so we'll see and monitor that uh moving forward did you guys have any other teams specifically that you wanted to talk about in regards to this topic where the narrative seems to shift so often, you wanted to straighten it out, you wanted to set the edge here. Because uh, it seems like this thing with the Chiefs, they lost to the Raiders, they had some tough games. They even played the Panthers kind of tight. We're not worried about the, the Chiefs. We don't have to say anything about that. They're Patrick Mahomes, it's Reed, a good defense. They're going to they're gonna do, they're going to be there. They're going to be one of those soldiers that Rock talks about at the end, who's standing at the end, right? So is there any other team that you guys want to bring up in this regard? I just want to touch on Russell Wilson. I mean, what, what happened, dude? That, that is the MVP. That was everybody's MVP. And he got shown up by Josh Allen, who had a game of his life. 
400-plus yards in the air, not a single turnover, and Russ was trying to do too much, too. Two very bad picks, lost a fumble. I mean, you know, if that's Daniel Jones, we're crushing him. So, I don't know, man. I think you got to take Russell Wilson out of the MVP discussion now. Yeah, and uh, Pat, that's a cold takes exposed for me. Do you remember what I said on the picks pod? <laughs> yeah. You remember? You had you had Seattle, I think, right? Not only did I have Seattle, but one of my reasons for picking Seattle was that Russell Wilson is on this MVP tirade where he's having that MJ meme where it's, it's now personal for me. Just because Josh Allen got brought up in the MVP conversation that Russell Wilson was going to put on a sick performance just to make sure that that got put to bed. And pretty much the exact opposite happened. And now Russell Wilson's odds, which were down to like minus 250, by the way, to win MVP, have to be up to like plus 400 again. I did not check, but God damn, that was yeah, I mean, quite I was, the freaking swing. I was mostly trolling there. Obviously, you know, He's human. That was probably his first bad game of the year, but yeah, man. I mean, you know, you had you got egg on your face from that. So did everybody, you know, thousands of people who thought Tampa Bay minus three was a lock. Yeah, everybody so, was on Tampa happens, Bay. Man. That's a good point. That's a good point. A lot of people were on the Seahawks as well. There was some sharp stuff. Even, uh, I don't know if you guys follow, like, the Barstool stuff. I'm not even usually a big Barstool fan, but the mortal locks specifically that they do on Instagram with Stu Finer, it's just good content. It's hilarious. And Stu Finer was like, like uh, historically bad, he was zero and eight in his locks, right? And he finally hit on the Bills. So everybody who bet the Seahawks saw that and was like, "Ah, I'm set. Thank God, Stu locked it in for me." And then boom, there it was. Uh, I was I was definitely eating egg. I was not eating egg. I was having egg on my face. Is how the the thing goes there. But anyways, I think that's enough there. Let's do a little recap of our picks, Pat. Now it's a little tough. Your last pick is still in play. It's Monday night, and the Jets. Yes, the Jets are winning as we speak. Now, by the time you guys are all listening to this episode, you know you know the answer to who won this game. Uh, the, the, the Patriots are in the red zone, beginning of the third. A lot of time left, but Pat Boyle, that is your last pick. Uh, so we will go there in a moment. But right as we speak, we have me back at 2-3 two and three for the second week in a row. And Pat, you're currently 2-2. Two and two. How did you feel about your picks uh, after Sunday? Yeah, I felt great about them. You know, I'm, I'm probably going to end up losing this one. I'm going to get busted by the Dallas Cowboys against Pittsburgh. Who saw that coming? I'm going to get busted by the Jets against New England. Uh, who saw that coming? So, I mean, what are you going to do, man? And last week, you know, one of the losses was Tennessee losing to Cincinnati. You know, it's one, one team every week, at least one team that just turns in a clunker. And that's the NFL. And, you know, those, those are the games that you got to, somehow try to stay away from but that's why this uh that's why this stuff isn't easy man if we can go 500 or better every week you gotta take it so yeah and i was really hoping that you would get a win here uh with this patriots bet because then that would put us at 10 and 10 for the year which is very you know it's solid modest not bad i'd be at two and three two weeks in a row four and six total you'd be at six and four and together we'd be not losing money though we're not winning money (coughs) excuse me again that being said we're looking like this patriots one's looking a little tough Granted, you're still in play here, Patty. You're still in play. I will just say this. Rock, I don't know if you had any action or you were looking at the spreads on Sunday, but I wasn't even betting for certain spreads with these teasers I had going. And thank God the Steelers covered minus four because that was my main bet on the picks pod when me and Patty did it. I needed the Chiefs to win outright. I needed the Steelers minus four and the Raiders plus 10. Who knew Raiders plus 10 was the easiest money right there? 
Uh, Rock, when you were watching that Steelers game, when you were watching that Chiefs game, did you have did you have any action on that stuff or no? I, I didn't, Pat. So, were, uh, were, Pat were you, and Pete, I, I I took your bets last week and I, <laughs> I had to miss the show because no, uh, no, nah, nah, but uh, washing dishes. Then <laughs> I'm, you know, I, I like uh, I like a little juice, but I, I haven't put any juice yet this year. Um, I wait for the playoffs, study the teams up until then. Probably and smart. then I crack it, and then I crack in the playoffs. That's probably a smart you, move. So when you were watching that Steelers game, did you think about this stuff or not? You weren't even aware of it. Well, I I was not. I'm sorry. I'm sorry to let you down. I I did, but I I'm you know what this week I'm gonna take the I'm going right with him. I feel you guys are going four and one each. Oh, there we go. You're feeling us going in the right direction. Yeah, you gotta. So it's just like the inconsistencies of the NFL. You had two two average weeks. Now we crack them next week. That's what I'm saying. That's the energy that I needed to hear right here. So to recap, uh, my losses went by the hands of Broncos plus four and a half, which your boy Drew Locke almost frisky enough to make that a cover there. The Bears, and I said this on the pod, I hate betting on the Bears. It sucks. It's no fun, but sometimes it is the right pick. It was last week, not this week. They almost somehow still backdoor covered six and a half. They lost by seven to the Titans. Seahawks, we talked about it at nauseum already. They did not come close to covering minus three versus the Bills. That being said, my one pick, Pat, I feel very good about. Baltimore Ravens, man. Lamar Jackson coming off a loss. Uh, they came out hot, and uh, that, that was the one. Pat, what was the, what was the most frustrating outside of, uh, obviously, the Steelers that blew it? You maybe even won that one for you. Was there one that was frustrating there? Or, or uh, no, one, or mean, one you're would... proud of, I should say? Yeah, I mean, I was uber confident and very proud of both Carolina. I said to you guys it was going to be a one-score game. I thought they had a chance to win it. I took a money line at plus 410, so I really thought they could have beaten Kansas City. And um, obviously that teaser hit with uh, – that was the easiest hit of, the, of my life, plus 16.5 and over 44.5. I mean, that was basically a lock in the third quarter. Um, and then the Giants, again, Giants have been a cash cow for me last two weeks. They hit easily against Tampa Bay. They hit easily against uh, Washington. I'm going with them again against Philly on Sunday. I'm telling you now. Oh, so, my gosh. Um, but, Giants I mean, money line. The Baltimore one is the other loss this week, and that's frustrating just because that's one where I should have just taken the Ravens, just take the spread, forget about the points, because I didn't think Phil Rivers was going to beat them. And I end up losing because it goes under. They only put up a combined 34 points because Phil Rivers and the Colts are that incompetent um, on offense against a good defense. So that one, that one sucks because I, I knew the Ravens were going to win, um, and, I, and I lose on the over/under. But that's you know that's tease, man. That's what happens. That's showbiz, baby. Yo, Rock. So you weren't here for me and Pat's uh, discussion of Daniel Jones and the quarterback situation in New York here now, and we don't have to go long because we're going to say goodbye in a moment here. But I want to give you a chance to sound off. Daniel Jones, even in a win, I think you can give a lot of credit to that defense here. What's your read right now on DJ? Is Dimes doing it for you, or you starting to have eyes? I definitely am. Uh, I I definitely think he's the future quarterback of the New York Giants. Oh. I, I I'm a believer in Danny Dimes. I think you gotta you have to give it time, and and. Uh, I think he got brought in too quick last year and he got hot right away. So it was like, whoa, this to me is his first real year with a new, with a new OC that, you know, I believe in, in, in the new age of offense and he's, you know, um, 
a guy there, you know, the ex-coach of the, the Cowboys is throwing the ball to the running back and uh, he's not opening the playbook to the, the needs of Daniel Jones. So I'm interested to see him grow. I think he's the right guy. And, and like I said, the head coach is the right guy. So he's going to get this kid right. At least he'll be, you know, he'll be given every chance to win every week. He's just got to come to play and can't turn the ball over. Now, that being said, do you still, as a coach and or GM, have to be considering some of these other options? Or do you, or do you think the Giants are at this point now where they're saying, we can't consider Justin Fields because we're going to win five games this year. We're not going to be close to the second or third pick. I think, you know, this morning, today, the, from, from the second that game ended till now, the Giants season just got revived again. They're back. They're back in the mix. They're real. You at two and seven, they could get into this play. It's it's not likely, but you win a, a you win against the Eagles one game each week. You know you you beat the Eagles and uh, things get real interesting. It really does. It's that gets interesting because then they if could you, be what they could be four and two at best in their division, right? So if if the Giants beat the Eagles this week, they'll be in a virtual tie because the Eagles have that tie with the Bengals, so they'll. Eagles will be three, five, and one. The Giants will be three and, and seven. seven. All right, so there'll be actually yeah. a game and a half because the Eagles had a bye already, I guess, too. So, but, but the point it's, is, uh, it's, it's yeah. there. It's there. And and if you're gonna be completely honest right here, if you're going strictly defense, everyone likes to say the Redskins' defense is is a sneaky good unit. I think it's time to start saying the Giants' defense is not sneaky good. It's actually just pretty good. They look at go back through their scores, Pete. They there's three games they might have won, and now we're talking about a what a five and four giant team. Crazy, crazy, or, or, or five and three. <laughs> oh, it makes me laugh to even think about it, the fact that this team might be like competitive. It blows but my they, mind. They they were right there with the Bucks. They got the right. They were right, they were right they were there right with there Pretty much everybody this year. Pretty much everyone they played. Cowboys. When we thought the Cowboys were a team, crazy. Man, that's nuts. So, hey, you know what, Rock? You were on the side of Pat Boyle on the Daniel Jones front. I was on the side where you got to be looking at Justin Fields. You got to be considering it. But I think I'm starting to switch just because of the point where I think the Giants aren't going to be close enough to even get the guy. So I'm not, I'm not saying that Gettleman and Judge shouldn't still consider it because they should, but they won't even have the chance, I'm saying, Patty Boyle. I agree. I think they're probably going to play themselves into four or five wins. And at best they'll have the sixth or seventh pick. And Justin Fields is probably going to be gone by then, but you guys know where I stand on this. So I don't even think that will, uh, that yeah. will come into effect because if Gettleman's got his job, he's not drafting another quarterback. Another, another great uh, tweet by you where you said something about, you know, Daniel Jones, you know, no turnovers against a good Washington defense. And I tweeted back at you like, yeah, hey, I think the defense won that game. You're like, all right, don't worry. We'll discuss it again on the podcast like we do every week. <laughs> and here we are doing it again. Anyway, Subway Sports Talk. I'm Pete Kennedy. Pat Boyle, Rocco Del Piri. Thank you guys as always. And shout out to Chris Mule as we do always on SST. Trying to push SST a little bit more. Subway Sports Talk. Hey, you listen to SST. Does that have a good ring to it? I don't know. Anyways, last words. Rocco Del Piri, what do you got for me? Pete, uh... It's been it's been a fun eight weeks. Looking forward to the next eight weeks as we get into the playoff. I think um, each week we we find a new team that we were high on this week, and then they break our heart the week after. Um, you know, so 
I want to see the Raiders keep mm. churning their feet, and I think they they could get into the mix. But you know, we do know that you need a big time QB. So David Carr, uh, D- Derek's older brother, no. he's he's the only one who thinks oh. he could do it. <laughs> yeah. You and your brother's the only guy backing you, you know? That's yeah. not it. It's like your mom telling you you're handsome. It doesn't count. It doesn't count the same. <laughs> Patty Boyle, last words. I said it before. It's something I'm sticking to again. I've been saying it for a while. My final words, L.A. Chargers, Miami Dolphins, Herbert and the Bolts, big win. He outshines Tua. Don't say I didn't tell you so. I think we got to start counting your last words bets as a separate entity. It might be a separate thing. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if they're, they've been hitting, but they feel like they've been hitting. That's where the energy's well, my, at. My last words, uh, I think for last pod or on the picks, was Belichick should quit if, if he doesn't Patriots beat the Patriots lose. <laughs> so we'll see how that, one, how that one finishes up. Oh, my gosh. That's true. Um, all right, my last words. Killian Hayes. Killian Hayes Rock, this is important to you. Pat, you too. You're wearing a Knicks shirt right now. That's the guy. If you're, if you're a, a, a basketball fan, you're a Knicks fan. YouTube Killian Hayes this week. Watch my Frenchman. We're going to have two Frenchmen on our team. It's going to be sick. Uh, this is probably not going to make it to the next pick. Anyways, Killian Hayes looks like the real deal. Liking him a lot in my NBA draft research. And we got an NBA draft preview pod of sorts coming either uh, this week or early, early next week. So we'll figure that out. And, uh, yeah. Rock, are you excited for basketball? Yeah, I, I can't wait. You you had me uh... – I'm a big fan of Ty- Tyrese Halberton now. Bro, I love Halberton. So now, now you, you know, now I gotta really look at. I didn't well, think hey, we could get. I'm, I'm just saying. Well, you got, we gotta keep our options open. I don't think Hayes is gonna make it to us. If he right, does, I, I would love him. I really like Halberton. You watch, you Me checked too. him out. Yeah, bro. Ooh, he's a yep. guy who looks like he just gets it. He knows he, what's yeah, happening on the court. Today's bro. NBA. Yeah. yeah. Oof, I'm excited. I'm starting to. You know, at, at first, I'm not gonna lie. When uh, basketball said, like, oh, we're going to be back December 22nd, I'm like, yo, I'm not ready. Mentally, I am not prepared for this. But now if I've been starting to look at some draft stuff, I'm starting to get a little bit little bit back into the swing of things. But my internal clock's all effed up. Doesn't matter. Thank you all for staying on, uh, talking NFL with us, as always. Subway Sports Talk. Subscribe, rate, review on Apple Podcast app. Do what you got to do on Spotify. I don't think they have a review situation there. But subscribe. Hit us up on Twitter at Subway Sports Talk TLK. Instagram, T-A-L-K, Subway Sports Talk. And thank y'all for listening. As always, for Rock, for Pat, I'm Pete. Cheers. And Mule.